This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, let's have some fun for a change. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian and this week my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me for a conversation about movies where uh, we're looking for a good time. We're looking to just relax. We're looking for something easy breezy fun that'll be a pick-me-up. That'll be, I mean, man, we have been living through it, haven't we? Let's, let's, let's all take a break. Let's just take a beat. Let's let's kick back. Let's do something fun for a change. So, my challenge to to the team today was to to come to the show and present uh, one movie that, that you could recommend to people who just need to see something good and happy and fun. So that's what we're going to talk about. You can find that conversation if you check the show notes. Uh, also, we've got the the usual segment where we talk about uh, new things like Cruella. And that's going to be, we've got some spoilers for Cruella coming up. So, you know, again, check the show notes if you want to avoid those spoilers. And, yeah, that's that's us. As always, we're trying to grow the, the show. So, please, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share it on your social media feeds with friends. Um, you can find all of our old episodes at our website, maghuge.com. M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Uh, you can find all the art there, all the old episodes. And you can also find links to, to all the other ways to contact us. And those include... Our Twitter, we are at MagHuge on Twitter. Uh, you can find links to our Facebook and our Instagram and our email, MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com on that site. All right, everybody, pick yourselves up off the floor. We're going to have some fun. Your love is like Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson is what I need. Oh, check it out. You like Mads Mickelson. so much. Oh my god. Yeah, after we mentioned him last week, I like could not stop saying that all week. Mads, Mads. Mads, Now I know how to start the next show with high energy. (laughs) Okay. How's everybody doing today? It's Memorial Day when we're recording this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got a day off, and so what are we doing? The podcast. Yeah, Podcasting. You know. Because you never take a day off of podcasting. God damn it. Well, that's we just did. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Technically. We were supposed yeah, to do it yesterday, words, but. Yeah, well. Yeah, you know. I, I, I didn't want to record yesterday, so I yeah. did it today. Yeah. I like it's that. Always, Every now and again, we just go, yeah, fuck it. We don't feel like it. If the <laughs> audience has a problem with that, yeah. maybe, I don't know, they can send us a couple bucks. I don't know. Yeah. I like the pre-show, though, when the the text rolls through. I'm just not feeling it. Can we just do it later? (laughs) It's always the vibe. Like, any one of us would be like, "Ah, I'm just not feeling it. So, yeah, you know, better to, you know, be in a a good good show place to do a show. That's right. Blame blame me this week, everybody. My name is Brian, (laughs) and you can blame me. Yeah. You're no Mads Mickelson. You. My name is Eric, and for once, it's not my fault. <laughs> That's <once>. right. <laughs> and this is Chris, and next week will probably be my round. So, yeah. That's how, Sweet. That's how this rolls. 
This is good stuff. All right. Well, every every week we kick the show off with a segment where we talk about what we've been watching, reading, doing. It's called The Fresh Shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. I've got stuff. Eric, go. You've got stuff. Yeah, it's always good when Eric is excited about his stuff. So let's, yeah. let's go there. Okay. Yeah, so who dies in your stuff this week, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I watched a movie that I heard was shit years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, it's on Netflix. I'll give it a shot. Let's see what's up. Alexander. Have any of you ever seen the Oliver Stone epic Alexander? Not in its entirety. No. No, not in its entirety. This is the final cut. And and what's interesting to me is he's done like four edits of this one movie. It's like, dude, figure it out. You know, who who does four edits? Who keeps touring like a new print (laughs) of the movie he made in 2004? It's like a George Lucas thing. But it's like each iteration of alexander is longer than the previous though if mm. i remember correctly yeah and so. i guess like there was the theatrical version yeah and then which everyone said was boring and didn't make sense and then there was the actiony version which i guess was trying to address the boring and then there was the one that had had the fullers i don't know fucking know all i, I know is i have no concept of this movie at all it's basically oh. colin farrell is <laughs> a blonde uh, conquering yeah, Colin the world Farrell is the mess. Is the is Alexander the Great, the uh, uh, the 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 Greek conqueror of the known world in uh, oof, what what five hundred BC? It was like long ass time ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's when and, Greek really meant something. Yeah, yeah, and I gotta say, it's really good. I didn't shut think up. it would be really mm, good. It's really up. good. Okay. The 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 dialogue is a bit stilted. I'll give you that. This is this is. This is not Shakespeare, right? Okay. Um, but it looks great. Everything makes sense. Um, you know, at least the version they're showing on Netflix. Right. I, I, I wonder if actually the other big problem was it's really, really gay. I mean... <laughs> That's what I remember when it came out. That was sort of yeah. the, the vibe. Everyone, and, uh, go, yeah. ew, yucky, he's gay. It's like, yeah, actually, it's really very touching. How how they address gay relationships as if they were straight relationships, like you know, yeah. Well, that was back before it really not, was was a big to do. But like their relationships, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, okay, wait like you're, you're telling me not that like gays oh are he's people. Yeah, yeah. It's not like oh and oh and he was also a queer. You know, it was no no no. This is <laughs> these are the relationships he had, and yeah, um, that's a weird that's a weird hangout. That reminds me of uh in. I think it was humanities class, like senior high school, and we were talking about Plato and his allegory of the cave, and there was one kid in our class that would not let go of the fact that Plato was somehow gay. Yeah. And that's all the discussion rotated around instead of the actual allegory of the cave. I was so I, so I remember his name. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't know if say we're it. trying not to say his name, but I'm not, uh, yeah, I remember I'm not. that fucker. God damn it, I was so <laughs> irritated. So yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, and and I can't get behind Plato because because he was obsessed with those sweet, sweet man buttocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, oh, so irritating. Sounds like he more didn't want to get in front of Plato, but that may be technical. <laughs> um. 
<laughs> or yeah, I didn't want him did. studying the allegory of his cave. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Um, Boom. Wow, so we've just turned all of this gay is not a big deal into nothing but <laughs> jokes about well, gay panic. I think it's proven that we can't quit Plato. That's really all yeah. it comes down to. Yeah, and as Gen Xers, we're all about irony, ironically. Yeah. So uh, how the does, other f- Ooh, how does yeah, Alexander compare to uh, JFK, your other favorite Oliver Stone film? Oh, uh, I, tough to say. I mean, JFK, I think, is a more interesting subject because it's, you know, like, closer to present day right but i never actually thought jfk was a well-made film it's okay. actually kind of stupid i mean okay. it's 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 flabby it's unstructured it's yeah okay yeah. well it's, that that really shatters shatters my memory because when that came out i remember you being so into it and maybe it's because was, it was so over the top <clears throat> ridiculous i'm obsessed with no, he's into the, the conspiracy theory. yeah exactly i'm obsessed <laughs> okay. with the whole thing and the book Anyway, okay. the, the other thing I saw was Cruella. All right, let's do this. Mm. I, I saw it too. Okay. I was... Uh, hmm? What I was happened? I was clearing oh, my throat. Okay. okay. Sorry. I was impressed. I really liked it. Okay. I, I, I uh, again, it, it was, you know, well, it was structurally sound. It didn't have, like, a bunch of crap in there to make kids happy. It wasn't as evil as it probably should have been. But it is Disney. Um, yeah. And the soundtrack is glorious. The soundtrack is by KTEL. It's the sounds of the 70s. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> like I love drops. It. But uh, I've, they're also yeah. all songs I've never heard in a we're doing the 70s British, uh, er, British early 70s period. You know? Like, give me a lot of music. Like what? I yeah I'm not I'm not sure I understand what was obscure like it was all like big it was like deep purple hush and it was it was known music but I I have not heard it like you know I don't know, I can't think of a movie that used a lot some of those yeah some of it was yeah you know, yeah I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about I haven't slept <laughs> um, so let me ask you this because I did read one thing about it where the ending and this might be a spoiler. But who cares? Yeah, sure. Spoilers for Cruella. <laughs> this shit is spoiled. Yeah. What do you mean? Spoilers. Spoiled me. There it is. Spoilers. So, so at the ending, uh, when they do a thing where they ask her what she's gonna do next, because she's one in the whole thing, it's like she's now Cruella, and she's like, mm-hmm. I have a plan for that, and then they do some montage, I guess. Right where she sends the Dalmatian puppies to the two people. Yeah, that are yeah at the they beginning basically of the set first... up 101 Dalmatians. So I don't understand why that's even a setup for that because wasn't the whole point was that she gave them the Dalmatians and then she wanted them back for the coats? If I remember I correctly, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think it was There's, so that okay. they would breed like a bunch of puppies that she could murder into coats. I'm not yeah, sure. Okay, okay, yeah. I- that that doesn't seem terribly motivated, even though, yes, spoilers, Dalmatians killed her mom. Um, <laughs> okay. And she's crazy as fuck. Let's not, let's not forget. Yeah. She is, you know, like, full tilt bonkers. Like, to the point that... It, it's funny, actually. It's a normal girl who has a split personality, very fight club, but in the end... Tyler Durden wins 
and the the yeah. like nice personality is murdered away and i loved that <laughs> <laughs> okay i saw it with my wife and it was interesting cuz she and i had a different experience i have not really seen any of the 101 dalmatians films i mean i know enough to know that cruella deville is just supposed to be a crazy evil fuck who wants to kill puppies yeah but um other than that i don't have much and my wife had seen 101 dalmatians many times so she's just like when she did crazy she just wasn't even close to crazy enough yeah. you know um and and i guess that there were there were things that were like shot for shot lifted from 101 dalmatians and other things that just utterly conflicted with 101 Dalmatians and she found that jarring like so, if you're gonna do homage do it if you're gonna yeah, do I a don't, twist do a twist I don't know 101 Dalmatians very well at all okay frankly. so yeah so that's why I enjoyed it more than she did yeah. then, so, I think for clarity's sake is she referencing the the Disney cartoon or like the, the cartoon the, the 90s see the Glenn Close okay okay Glenn Close is credited as an executive producer on this thing though I noticed I saw that. that yeah okay yeah okay um I, I must I say, though, it. I can't I can't really say, you know, well, I don't know 101 Dalmatians, so I enjoyed it. So people who do have a problem with that, you know, can suck a dick. I can't really do that because I'm do I am constantly having that issue with Star <laughs> Trek. You know, I'm always like, <laughs> like, like, observe canon, you fucks, you know, and, and so I can't exactly. So the other thing that that I um you know, contrast with my wife, you know, she, she's much more aware of like, you know, fashion in, in a ways that I just don't think about at all. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And she's like, if you're going to set this thing in the seventies and you're really, really nailing it in the seventies with this music, then fashion can't be eighties fashion. And, yeah. you know, and, and so that was kind of rubbing her the wrong way, but the costumes are great. And there's I a thought... few, uh, really fun ones. And I thought, given the time period, they were just introducing, like, late 70s British punk rock. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, so, but I mean, they, they kind of, they started in 65, and then they, they kind of go, um, you know, for, yeah, for the late 70s thing. But by the time, you know, she's, she's really dressing in 80s clothes, you know, Cruella is. And, well, maybe she's just fashion forward. You ever think about yeah, that? Yeah, she I, is. She's the future, according <laughs> okay. to her makeup. Okay. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's fun. If you if you're a girl, you'll like it. I can tell you that. Ouch, ouch. No, seriously, it's it's. Look, this movie. If you're I, a girl. I, I'm not. This is not an original <laughs> thought. <laughs> yeah. This is not an original thought. I'm I'm cribbing this from somewhere else. I read it. But look, this is a Disney product, and in the end, this is about stocking the shelves at Hot Topic with Cruella merch, mm -hmm. so that. Like twelve-year-old girls who want to dress in black can buy their shit from Disney. That's what this is, yeah. and it's effective at that. Well, I yeah. will say this: that the cartoon definitely has implanted in my head the Cruella song, and it's never going away. And I don't know where I remember it from and why it's in there, but it's just stuck. And it's that you know Cruella de Vil, Cruella oh, de yeah. Vil. There's a cover of it that yeah. does over the credits. Yeah, it's just it's stuck, and I'm very upset about that fact but you know this has sort of drudged it back to the surface and now it won't go away it's like a monotonous hum in the back of my brain so the other thing i want to say about cruella and, and again generally i enjoyed it you, you can eat popcorn and watch this movie and, and you're fine um emma thompson is our villain who is really playing cruella deville yeah because <laughs> she's just an an a narcissist to the core um 
she um it she she rules in this movie but at the end for no real reason that it furthers any character motivations they do the thing that that everyone's doing in in movies and they they say actually spoilers actually Emma Thompson is is Cruella's real mom and so now they're they're related yeah. And I'm I'm talking to my wife about this in the car on the way home, and we're just like, why? Why does every movie have to do this? Why does everything have to be small? Why does it have to be in the family? And and she's like, well, you know, Disney, these new Disney villains, you know, they, they have to have, you know, whatever, parent issues. And I'm like, no, Bambi is not, like, going out and, like, fucking up the world, you know, because his mom died, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um uh. You yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. You know what I was really blown away by though? Ray is a palpatine. Yeah. It's so irritating. Well, yeah. So when I see the trailer for this thing, my first thought immediately is so they're just riffing off Devil Does Prada. Am I wrong in that assumption? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I, I don't want to see I would it. have had so much more respect for this film though if at if the end credit sequence was like, because Emma Thompson is as they're carting her, as the cops are carting her away, she's like, "I will have my revenge on you," you know that shit. I, I would love the an end credit sequence where um, Cruella shows up in prison and says, "Yeah, I can't have that," and kills her. I would have loved that. <laughs> like, well, be then, actually evil, but well, yeah, you know, we can't. You can't do that. set the stage for the Cruella Maleficent mashup. And I don't think there come. should be a sequel, even though there's going to be a sequel. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the Cruella versus Ma- Maleficent. There you go. There's your movie. <laughs> or do you mm. think this will lay the groundwork for the, the Ursula origin story from Little Mermaid? Oh, like, I don't I think just they feel like have to find logical reasons for any of these. Why? Yeah. Why do we need? Why do we need the Cruella origin story? Like, can't she just yeah. be crazy evil bitch? Cha-ching. Like, like, that's why. Cha-ching. What's wrong with bad yeah. guys that are just crazy and evil? Because <laughs> Disney is going through their back catalog and making movies out of the cartoons that worked, and yeah. they've already done the, that with the dogs. So let's do it with the crazy bitch. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I guess they're like, well, Snow White. Ooh, that's a tough one to remake. Underwood Dalmatians, we kind of did that already in the 90s. Well, uh, except okay, villain origin yeah, story. Mulan, nobody wanted yeah. to see it, apparently. Yeah. Because mm. nobody cares. Like, you're not getting the dragon with Eddie Murphy's voice, so who cares? I mean, you know. Ugh. Blech. Anyway. So, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Live action Little Mermaid, too. Yeah, they are. They're making that. That's a thing. Somewhere mm. out there. Be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, you liked it, though, Eric. I did. I did. Okay. I okay. uh, yeah. I, uh, I I can't remember. I don't know. I'm definitely getting that soundtrack. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's probably yeah. on Spotify yeah, it already. It's on Spotify. Yeah. Easily. Well, somebody can just make a playlist on <laughs> yeah, Spotify. Yeah. This movie is uh, just nonstop needle drops. It's baby driver levels of needle drops. Yeah, that's drops. true. Like, it, it, is, it is an obscene amount of music. Um, okay. Yeah. But there are some great spectacle moments, like when she pulls up, they, they, they basically crash a fashion event, and they keep trying to, they keep outdoing what uh, Emma Thompson's character is doing and stealing her thunder. And at one point, a, a garbage truck pulls up, dumps out a bunch of like n- newspaper 
looking cloth and yeah, tool garbage. and just a pile of stuff. And uh, Cruella crawls out of it, grabs onto the back of the, the trash truck. Trash truck then drives away again. And it turns out all this stuff that dumped out with her is the train of this enormous dress. And I'm like, that's yeah. so bitchin'. Ooh, that was cool. <laughs> Mumbatu's yeah. derelict campaign from Zoolander. Yeah, it, that's what that is. But it uh, looked good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay, that's my shit. Nice. Freshly shat. Uh, nice. Freshly right. shat. Chris, fresh, uh, fresh in my shit. What do you got? Uh, it's a tough week. I was uh, suffering under an intense amount of ennui, and I just didn't give a shit about anything. It's one of those deals where you just start scrolling mm-hmm. through the endless menus of shit that you can watch, and you just mm-hmm. blank out and freeze, and you're like, I just, no, 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 no. So uh, I randomly just pulled the trigger on the pilot episode of the A-Team just for shits and giggles. Uh, and, and you know, it's mind, mindless brain garbage and I thought I could just zone out, but I was immediately struck by the fact that I totally forgot that in that two-hour pilot they had cast somebody else as Face Me. It face, wasn't Dirk Yeah, Benedict. right? And I'm like, oh. I totally forgot that. And my mind and just I like, remember, went off like, into, I, I, I really liked the guy they had originally cast, and then when it turns out to be Starbuck, I'm like, I'm not as into this anymore. Well, apparently Benedict was the guy they originally wanted to cast, but NBC said, no, we want somebody else. And so they did this fella, who's like 6'5", apparently. I mean, he towers above everybody else on the A-team, and he's about 15, 20 years younger. Uh, so the reason that they got rid of him after the pilot was because he was too young. They're like, no one's going to believe this guy was in Vietnam. <laughs> so they, so they got Dirt Benedict back, and then he, you know, went on to do the, the rest of it. But it's just All right, and that other guy probably went on to do nothing. Yeah, and uh, it's just such a strange. It's called Mexican Sleigh Ride, S L A Y, Sleigh Ride, and it's as you do. Yeah, and the whole story revolves around some reporter who's covering some sort of drug cartel situation that's involved with funding guerrillas, armies in the Mexican jungle or whatever, gets kidnapped. And then his mentor, his uh, protege, Amy Allen, uh, finds the A-team, and she's a cub, like a cub reporter kind of sitch. And so she finds the A-team and gets him to come down to save her mentor. And then they basically go to war against this, like... I don't know, it's like a Magnificent Seven sort of situation. It's just literally, that's all it is. They're like in a Mexican village, they armor plate a school bus, and then they just wreak havoc, but nobody dies. Nobody gets yeah. shot. Uh, explosions so everywhere. the opposite of the Magnificent Seven, because <laughs> basically, nobody dies. Basically. Okay. And it's just so bad. But the other thing that struck me, is, that, and I always forget this, is that um, Mr. T plays B.A. Baracus, and his big thing is that he is afraid to fly. I ain't getting on no plane, Hannibal. That's like his big thing. And so they always they always end up drugging him if they have to fly anywhere. Yeah. And it's like, and when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, that's funny. Ha ha. But when you're an adult, you're like, holy shit. It's like every third episode, they're just illicitly drugging this man yeah. and flying him somewhere. And then when he wakes up, they're like, oh, B.A., are you okay? You had another one of your blackouts, quote unquote. And then try to make him, like, gaslight him, make him think he's, like, crazy. And he's like, whoa, you mean we've been driving for 26 hours and I've been asleep the whole time? Well, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. It's like, holy shit. And then when you start getting that so perspective, they, they, yeah. they put him under without his knowledge, right? Yeah. He's just, oh, yeah, just, like, every time. With oh, yeah. 
Yeah, they like give oh, him a boy. shot, like they roofie him. I mean, you know, yeah. chlorophyll. Wow. I mean, the whole nine yards, and that's like a running gag through the entire series. Anytime they have to fly, and it's just. I, I mean, it's if, if I'm the if I'm the the boss of this team, I'm like, is this worth it? Yeah, like <laughs> we're taking our muscle and we're drugging him, so that yeah. that's going to limit his effectiveness. And man, now he's dead weight, and we've got to haul his ass yeah. on. To, like, but you got to find a you guy gotta who's remember, not such though. a wimp about flying. <laughs> yeah. But you got to remember though. Okay, if you're like the A team and your 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 whole livelihood is performing these secret operations in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta have the guy with the mohawk and the feather ears. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, exactly. That's the other I, thing. What? As you watch, as you watch as an adult, you're like, this is really counterintuitive to everything that they're trying to accomplish. It's like, so we're on the run from the military police, so we need to keep it really hush hush. Yet we're doing all these like off the table uh, mercenary shit, and we got Mister T, who's wearing like overalls and gold jewelry that would like drown a fucking horse yeah and then you drive around in this very distinctive black and white van or black and red van uh everywhere it's like how do people not know where you are at any given time it just it flies in the face of everything it's and given the number of times that hannibal shows up in some elaborate costume yeah is is that is that is that van full of wardrobe because like where does he get all these Fucking, is he MacGyvering them? That well, might be an interesting it, it's thing to kind see. Of, it's kind of a pre-MacGyver MacGyver deal. And one of my favorite bits from the pilot is that and at some point they're actually captured by the guerrilla army and they're putting these like cages. And then the master plan to get out is that they've like Amy's got a sewing kit or makeup kit or something that's got like some adhesive and he basically clips some of her hair and he fashions this like really ridiculous looking mustache beard thing and then puts a hat on and then pretends to be somebody else like injured on the floor of the cage and then the guard comes up and it's like what are you doing you get that and they like open the gate and then they like punch him out it's like what kind of guard doesn't already know who the fuck is in this goddamn little cage right. it's just so stupid yeah, it's like oh my god so, yeah. you know, you're 12, you're like, this is amazing. But you're 50, you're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> so my whole yeah. night was ruined. That's, uh, that's one of those, those you know, very important. We. It's one of those yeah. important skills they teach in the special forces, you know, how yes. to do stage makeup. Yeah. But, you know, it's the A-team wasn't expected to be a big hit. And then it just went out gangbusters. Yeah, but by the fourth season, it was already starting to sort of fall under its own weight, and that's when they started doing all the jump the shark celebrity cameos. And well, like, I mean, it's just about Mr. T, right? Mr. T was hot because of Rocky Three, and everybody kind of dug his look and his persona, and his, yeah. that was the Mr. T show. Yeah, really. Although at no point in time during the A Team did he ever say "I pity the fool." That was in Rocky Three, yeah. and so people confuse BA with Clubber Lang sometimes with his catchphrase. Uh, but A team, it's always. I ain't getting on no plane, Hannibal. If nothing else, we we got Dwight Schultz out of this, and he yeah. is a treasure. Yeah, yes, yeah. he true. was. He was the one part that was consistently entertaining on that show. Yeah. Well, I will say my favorite episode of the A team to this day is still the one from the fourth season that. Uh, <laughs> featured oh, no, boy George, <laughs> cowboy George is uh, yeah. just, it's, it's oh, the most god that was crazy. Yeah, it's the most like what the hell is going on episode of any show ever. 
Uh, but it also features Dwight Schultz's Murdoch just losing his absolute mind to the hilt, like taking over a radio station and just playing the Maguire sisters on, on a loop because he's just lost his shit. It's so weird. Uh, so I think I'll just play that one on a loop instead because the pilot was just no. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Any other fresh shit, Chris? No, I'm going to leave it at that because that was my week in a nutshell. Right all there. right. So I don't have a whole lot. I've been kind of wa- finishing up the shows I've been watching, right? So I'm, I've got one more episode left of the second series of Staged, um, which is still hilarious. Did you, did you um, see the penultimate one? Yes, I did. <laughs> so and fucking yes, awesome. That's, again, yeah, don't, yeah, you don't want to spoil that, but no, yeah, no. that was great. Yeah, um, I, the last one I saw is the one where, um, I mean, they're, they're, they were still, like, reading a bunch of different actors, and mm-hmm. uh, Jim Parsons mm-hmm. becomes the voice of reason. That's the yeah. last one I saw. Yeah, yeah. you've got another one or two to go before the, the best right. one of the whole series, but yeah, that's good. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. It just, yeah, it's, it keeps being good. Um, and then I finished up my season of BattleBots, which... Uh, and and American Idol, but you know what? There's nothing to talk wow. about on those shows, wow. right? It's just talk about on turn your brain and, and drool on yourself yeah, in front of the television. You're gonna stuff. watch The Bachelor next? What the hell? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> BattleBots is way cooler than The Bachelor. These are 250 pound robots like chucking each other through the air and catching each other on fire and yeah. smashing things. Hey, I've seen robot jocks. Um, I know, man. I know. But the show I'm going to talk about, I've only watched one episode of, but I, I, I really like the first episode, and I'm intrigued, so I'm going to keep watching and see how it goes. It's on Amazon, and it's called Upload. Have you seen this thing? Mm-mm. No. So Upload is... Um, the premise is basically the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, in which there's a, there's a company that's got an app where they can, before you die, they can upload you into their little virtual reality world and that's your afterlife but the thing that's really nice about this oh yes I have seen this okay sorry go ahead yeah um, the the thing that's that's good is the world building it's set in the not too distant future right so everything is very believable like yeah there's these high tech companies but the people who work for them are just like you know everyday schlubs it's like yeah this is my this is my fucking job you know, um, the, uh, the, the, the world is, is totally believable. And when he gets to, when our hero gets to his, his VR heaven, um, you know, the first, there's like this whole like moment that's kind of reminiscent of uh, 50 first dates where they, there's like a person who's their angel who has to sort of acclimate them like, Hey, Hi, this is really weird for you. Let me try and acclimate you to what the hell's going on. Um, but then, uh, as soon as they want to do anything in, in their afterlife, everything is monetized. Oh, did you want to eat food that wasn't shit? Well, that costs money in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's, like, people who just show up that are bots that are just advertisements for things. It's like, hi, Orbit Gum. Would you like some Orbit Gum? Here's the slogan for Orbit Gum. You know, it's, it's just it, like everything that you think that the corporate hellscape of, of uh, VR Afterlife would be, that's what this show is doing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I found it uh, better than I was expecting it to be, so I'm going to give it a shot. How many episodes is it? 
Um, I I don't know actually. I, not a whole lot. I don't think it's probably it's, like eight or ten. What I think is interesting is uh, uh, created by Greg Daniels, who wrote for The Office, and uh, uh, what's his name, Michael Schur, also wrote for. Oh, uh, not at The Office. Well, maybe The Office, but definitely oh. Parks and Rec. And the other guy uh, well, he's also uh, who created the Good Place, the Good Place, a different writer from Parks and Rec. Uh, but apparently they never got together on this. It was just like this weird coincidence that they both had afterlife shows in them. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That's like the dueling volcano movies that year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is definitely not a philosophical take on the afterlife. This okay. is this is a show where you know in the simulated world, um, for example, there's this <laughs> a joke gets drawn out too, but. Um, you can't miss when you're peeing, right? So our hero is trying to miss. Like he's walking across the room and pointing it out the window and the pee just turns the corner and flies through the air and goes in the toilet bowl, you know. Um, that, that does sound like, like the afterlife, that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Anyway. Okay. Um, so yeah, upload. I'm going to check that out. That's, that's, yeah, I'll, I'll report back on whether it's worth your time. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was good. Moment. I liked it. It was no oh, you've, good you've place, granted, but it was like part of that whole swath of afterlife comedy. Okay. Nice. Cool. All right. I guess that's the fresh it. Fresh goes better. Fresh fresh. Okay. This week's topic was everything sucks, and we've been watching all of these like tense, depressing, cynical, violent, just feel bad stuff for like a year and i'm sick of it and i would just like something happy and fun so my challenge to the to the team this week was to come to the show with a movie that's fun that's that'll make you feel good hello world there's a song that we're singing i gotta say i did have a bit of a problem with this one um, really? <laughs> I like immediately thought of like 10. I couldn't winnow it down. It was difficult. No, I just love it. Of course, Eric's the one who's like, oh shit, happy. A happy movie. Yeah. Well, fuck. here's the thing. It's like, I, I, this was pretty easy for me at first. I was like, oh yeah, singing in the rain. That's like the, yeah. uh, Boom. the go-to, you know, like feel good movie. You can't not feel good watching singing yeah. in the rain. Yeah. But then I was like, but wait a minute. Does he mean a movie that is universally a feel-good, or does he mean a movie that would make me feel good? Because that's 2012. I'm, because yeah. everyone <laughs> in the world gets killed. I think we and I think from that's a great angle. movie for feeling good. Yeah. yeah. I, I translated okay. it, the challenge, as, uh, like, what movie do you go to when you feel like garbage and you just need something to uplift you? Like, that was my thinking. Okay. Uh, like, what, what movie would be a panacea for your trouble? Uh, so I can see how 2012 would be that for Eric. So, yeah. Okay. So Eric, are you bringing 2012 or singing in the rain or both? Oh, but, what are we doing? Uh, singing in the rain, I guess okay. is the, is the, 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 the one for like, if you're looking for a feel good movie, right. but if, if I'm looking for a feel good movie, fucking 2012. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I'm with you on singing in the rain, except for that whole Broadway melody. Like, yeah, really? that, it, like, it, it brings it to the end. It brings it to a full stop, but the only reason that I allow it and still like it is because at the end of that 10 minute masturbatory technicolored fever dream, uh, you, you have. <laughs> 
you, you have him talking. To, yeah, you have him talking to the studio head, going, and that's my idea for it. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm gonna have to see it on film first, and then like, yeah. and they immediately move on. It's like, wah, yeah. wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine in that he had some some dance routines and and some ideas for how he wanted them shot that didn't make any sense in the overall film. So he's just like, well, why don't we just have him pitching this? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it does, it does feel like filler to me. I, I, I still it, say that like, whole dancing with Sid Charisse is like the oh, yeah. best filmed sex scene of all time. Yeah. I mean, well, no, yeah, we're not arguing that either it, of them taking off their clothes. Yeah. We're not arguing that it doesn't hmm. look amazing and it's not technically just mind blowing. But mm-hmm. from a narrative standpoint, it kind of just grinds everything to a halt for like 10 well, minutes. Yeah, but think about this for a second. What's the, what's the narrative value of Moses supposes his toes are roses? You know, it's like yeah. the whole film is fucking silly. And it's, it's a nostalgia trip because not many people, you know, recognize this. But all those songs were from the 30s. Yeah. So it's the first jukebox musical. Yeah. Mm. It's mm-hmm. also astonishing to me that uh, Debbie Reynolds did not know how to dance really before she took this mm. on. She was only like 20, and apparently uh, Gene Kelly was just a total ass to her uh, about her, <laughs> t- her technical <laughs> dancing proficiency. Like at one point where she was just driven to tears, and I think Fred Astaire had somehow got wind of this and so was actually tutoring her uh, on the dancing a little bit to kind of bring her up to speed. And oh. Gene Kelly, I guess, later just said, yeah, I don't know why she would still talk to me after any of that, because he basically admitted he was a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's astonishing to me. Uh, I, I also he learned had that a- Donald, o- Donald O'Connor had like a four-pack-a-day smoking habit. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. Gene Kelly had like a, a fucking knockdown drag-out flu the day they shot the Singing in the Rain thing, where he's all, you know, covered in yeah. water. and yeah. oh. Just like vomiting and yeah, I'm yeah. like that's that's always a great story. <laughs> yeah, so just put all that together and yeah, this is a total. You pop it in and you just feel good immediately. You can't yeah. not. It's just a it's technicolor. Fantastic, wonderful. Oh, by the yeah. way, if you if you liked um um what was that that thing the, the, that silent movie that won best picture a couple years ago the actor oh the artist the, the artist yeah yeah total ripoff of uh, singing in the rain. Just nice. if you liked that, see the original because it's very, very good. Well, I, I had not seen Singing in the Rain until I was in my 40s. Really? Um, That's yeah. That's astonishing to me. Hadn't bothered. So I've, only, I've seen it a few times since then. Um, but yeah, Donald O'Connor is, and I, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but he, he's the revelation in there. Yeah. That guy is amazing. I mean, he's. He's he's Gene, he's getting overshadowed and upstaged by Gene Kelly because this is a Gene Kelly joint, right? But um, but he gets to go toe to toe and really superior he, to he, Gene Kelly and he holds and his own. He holds his own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pretty spectacular. It's it's a movie that has a love interest and two guys who are best friends, and the two things never conflict to the point that the three of them have a dance number together, and it's never weird. You know, yeah. it's like and that one. Yeah. We've got the Pat uh, friendship. We've got the Pat love story. We've, you know, none of this yeah. means anything. You know? yeah. 
Well, I also, uh, I love Gene Hagen in this as Lena Lamont, who's just basically there to yes. be the bitch. And it always makes me laugh because it's like, this is Judy Holliday from Born Yesterday. And it's literally yeah. a character. And then you find out that Gene Hagen was the understudy to Judy Holliday for Born Yesterday on Broadway. <laughs> and that's how she auditioned for the role. And then suddenly my mind just goes... Because like, yeah. that's genius. <laughs> so, yeah. And... and- when Debbie Reynolds is singing, they're actually dubbing in uh, her voice. Right. And when what's her, what's her name again? Jean Jean Hagen. When Jean Hagen is singing, just just to be obnoxious, they dubbed in Debbie Reynolds's voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's yeah. they they know they're fucking around the whole time. Oh, yeah. um, and Compton and Gre- Betty Compton and uh, Adolf Green are the screenwriters of this. And I got to see a Q&A with them in Boston, you know, a lifetime ago. Yeah. They, they had finished a film and they were told, your next film, you get to write the songs. You know, the next musical you do, you get to write the songs. And they were like, okay, great. And then they said, uh, actually, no, you don't get to write the songs because now we've got this thing that uses all this 30 stuff get to work <laughs> and they said well fuck you we're not going to do it you know we're we're our next project we were told we get to write the song so call us when you're ready and they're like okay your next thing is this thing with all the 30s musical yeah i, I already told you we're not doing that um we get to write the next okay so get in touch with us when you're ready to do that and then the guy calls <laughs> and says so how's it coming with that uh uh that screenplay that uses all the 30s songs and they're like what did we tell you? We're not doing that. He said, you've got two weeks. And if you don't have something in, you are never going to work again. And they're like, Oh Oh, shit. Fuck. So they pull this story of this screenplay out of their asses in two weeks. (laughs) The whole thing was a, Oh shit. What do we do? And that's why it's so inside Hollywood because it's like, well, what do we know? Well, what we can't research anything. Just, just, just fuck it. Go, go, go. Yeah. And it's, and it's glorious as a, as a, almost a satire, just classic Hollywood, the golden age. Uh, yeah. It works. And it, it is on the, on a subsurface level. It's just a giant fuck you to the whole Hollywood system and how they have to just manufacture the publicity in the whole nine yards. So it's got there's multiple layers going on uh, that yeah. over time become reinforcing for each other. It's, it's great. And I, I mean, the studio head is kind of an asshole, even if he's not like the antagonist. Yeah. He's an asshole, and he's I think clueless. I think yeah. yeah, I think some of that is is you know comes from them getting <laughs> getting yeah, the no, shaft makes sense. on this fucking <laughs> yeah, that, makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So singing in the rain. You're down. Yeah. It's no 2012, it but whatever. Well, what is 2012? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh, that, that movie's a fucking <laughs> genius work, and it will be recognized one day. One day. It'll be in the we, National we Archives. Did a, I think we've, it's come up on the show before, I think. I think it was like, we have featured prominently <laughs> in our in role, in, our role yeah. in Emmerich. Well, that's, uh, that's the yeah. other reason that I didn't... Oh, and, and my love of disaster movies show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I, I didn't want to bring up Singing, uh, uh, singing. I didn't want to bring up 2012 again, but you did ask what makes me feel happy. That's yeah. right. Okay. All right. Good. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and do mine. I I actually struggled with this one. Um, I didn't. 
I'm, I'm realizing that I've outgrown some of my feel-good movies. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love the fact that both so, of you are, like, having trouble. And I'm, like, honestly sat down and wrote off, like, ten. Like, this makes you feel good, and this makes you feel good. And, this, so, and I am a cynical, just curmudgeonly asshole most of the time. So I'm astonished. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'll, I'll, mine probably won't last very long here, so we'll just get through this. Okay. So, I was, I was struggling with it, and I'm, like, Googling for, for inspiration. and. A movie that I had remembered being, you know, hey, I like that one, uh, was The Wedding Singer. And I went back and kind of watched some <laughs> clips of it, and I'm like, oh, no. Good Lord, yeah, The Wedding God, Singer no. is about a sad guy who was a failed <laughs> musician who got dumped and hates his life. That's why I liked it. Okay, yeah. not gotcha. The Wedding Singer. It's so true. Teeth grinding, <laughs> yep. grinding. It is. Yeah. But what I did end up bringing to the show instead is the other Adam Sandler Drew Barrymore movie which I referenced earlier 50 First Dates this one is just a sweet little movie have you seen it? no and I'm glad you didn't tell us what you watched until just now because I would have had to watch it does that make sense? (laughs) I thought it was cute I, 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 but of course it's, it's overshadowed by the cinematic genius of Blended the third <laughs> Sandler Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. They should have so, quit while they were ahead. Yeah. Fifty First Dates is, I mean, it's an early entry in the. Um, Adam Sandler has figured out that if he sets his movies in vacation spots, he and his buddies can go on a, on a vacation. Yeah. Uh, so it, it takes place on Oahu, Hawaii. And. Um, Adam Sandler is a marine biologist who like spends all of his time with a walrus and a dolphin. Um, <laughs> that makes Rob, perfect sense. Is, is there a scene with him and the walrus and the dolphin where he says, "Shut up"? I think so. Actually, it, I mean, he pretty much talks to oh, them like fuck. that. Um, no, but um, Rob Schneider is his Samoan drug-addled friend oh who, like, no just, oh yeah no that's, this is actually good it's rob schneider is is uh doing you know cultural appropriation and getting you know getting laughs um but the the real the real deal is that drew barrymore's character was in an accident a year ago and since then cannot make any new memories so every day is like a blank slate and her family has been coddling her and allowing her to think every day is the same day. And then she meets Adam Sandler and they have, you know, this meet cute. And then he shows up the next day and she has no damn idea who he is. And so there's like this groundhog day aspect to it. There's him trying to figure out how to get through to her on every day when, when she has <sighs> no idea what the hell is going on. I mean, and I'm, I'm glad you like it, but at the same time, the reason I've never watched it is because the thing I hate most about rom-coms is the meat cute. And this is a whole movie that's nothing but the meat cute. <laughs> I suppose right? that's true. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, I think it's, it's more the, meat, the heartbreak also... of falling in love with somebody who you have to like win them over again and again and again and again. But in Groundhog Day, that works. But in this, I just, I don't see Adam Sandler well, pulling it off. Well, I mean, they, they take it places. Like, okay. you know, at one point, Sandler realizes that she's never going to sleep with him on the first date. And so he's like, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but we're not getting anywhere physically, you know. 
Um, and and then yeah, also just the how do you have a long term relationship and and okay. is that holding him back? Did they address it, that? It, does does he fun. ever get laid? I mean, do they ever figure this out? Um, they do address it in that uh, tangentially in that by the end of the movie they have a kid. Oh, so, that's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That must have been a so, shocker for somebody with no memory. So right, like surprise, you're nine months <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> so watching this, um, like, what is it about it that makes you just like get all warm and fuzzy? Like, what what uplifts your mood with it? It it's wholesome. Okay, I guess it's it's just nice and sweet and cute. I mean, Drew Barrymore. It, look, rom coms live or die on whether you're you know you're you're gonna fall in love with the girl, or you're gonna fall in love with the guy, right? And Drew Barrymore right. is just at her peak cute Drew Barrymore phase in this movie, and that, that carries a lot of weight, I think. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's silly. It's, it's surface level at best. It's easy watching. It's just an easy breezy fun little rom-com that, that maybe didn't get its due. Okay. How many times have you seen it? Only a couple, so maybe if I see it, like, a few more, I'm going to be like, yeah, fuck this movie. But, yeah, for now, it does the job. I love the fact that this is your show idea, and you're the one that's like, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna <laughs> This bring. is my show idea because I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys, yeah. I need some happy, and I need some suggestions because I, I can't okay, think of I anything to watch. I got you. I got yeah, that, okay. that's why I had a problem with the topic, because I was like, this is obviously a cry for help. Yes. <laughs> I can't now tell Brian to watch a movie where everyone in the world is murdered by gravity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it makes me feel wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, so, I'm so, I'm so glad you did not say the water boy, so I'll give you points oh, for that. Oh, I've never even seen the water boy. I know better than that. Okay. okay. <laughs> 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 I watch okay. a lot of bad movies, but I'm not watching the water boy. Yeah. yeah. That's how you know you I think in that movie, he, he, he yells at something, shut up, <laughs> I think. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, I, like I said, rattled off a giant list all over the map, just ones that I will end up watching if I'm feeling down or whatever. Uh, but just like the SAT, you kind of have to go with your first pick. Uh, so of the, the three that I narrowed it down to, this was kind of where I had to go wrestle with it. Uh, so the first thing I went through and found was... Uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and then I thought about the Muppet movie, and then I thought mm -hmm. about Shrek. And so the thing that I pulled from that mm. is that apparently I like uh, kids' movies that have adult underpinnings that are also road flick comedies. That sort of is like, oh. a, I don't know why, that's my go-to. Uh, Probably so the Muppet movie. Well... <laughs> Yeah, the Muppet movie I would say is probably the the top tier number one. Like if I'm in a shitty mood and need to turn it around, I will watch the Muppet movie because I guarantee you that if you watch that and don't smile at least once, you are dead inside, completely dead inside. I guarantee it. That explains uh, it. I mean, it's got it's got some sanguine moments too. Like Gonzo singing "I'm going to go back there someday" is a you know yeah gets you in the feels. There's not. A word yet for old friends who've just met. Part heaven, part space. 
Or have I found my place? You can just visit, but I plan to stay. I'm going to go back there someday. It's uh, but. it's good, and I like it that it's the whole structure is basically just super meta from frame one, and it's all about the Muppets getting their movie deal and then them actually making a movie that's their origin story and sort of screening it for all of the Muppets and then you get to the movie and so you can kind of do this like sub-referential don't really need to adhere to any sort of specific plot and then when they need to cover some ground they're like well how, how will we meet you later it's like oh here's the script uh just look it up and then that's how like Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem find him later. It's like, well, where'd you, how'd you find us? Oh, it's on page 37. It's right here. <laughs> and they just covers, and it's like, you're a kid that doesn't really register, but when you're an adult watching it going, that is fucking genius right there. <laughs> <laughs> and it just makes me laugh. The None of this of matters. Meta. It's a puppet show, people. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they have all these like running gags where with Kermit and talking to people and they're like, la la la. It's like, no, that's a myth. Myth? No, myth, myth. And then Carol Kane just comes out of nowhere and goes, yes. <laughs> and it's like, they do that several times. And, or like, uh, or when they say, you know, Kermit's like talking to Dom DeLuise at the beginning and Dom DeLuise is in the swamp saying, I'm, I'm kind of lost. Have you, cons- <laughs> you know, have you considered the Dalai Lama or whatever it is? Or the, uh, <laughs> Hare Krishna. The Hare Krishna. Yeah. yeah. And then that shows up later. And after the second time they say that joke, Kermit just looks right in the fucking camera and goes, oh, great. It's a running gag. <laughs> and it's like, and it just, it makes me laugh every single time. I know it's coming. And yet, pow, it just makes me giggle every time. And then you get the songs that just, you know, Paul Williams at the height of Paul Williams doing like Rainbow yeah. Connection where they actually sing I mean, a song positing songs about why there are so many songs about rainbows. I mean, it's just like this weird, <laughs> like snake eating its are own Are there tail. so many songs about rainbows? It's like two. There's, there's well, somewhere over the, the rainbow 70s, and the rainbow there connection. Were a, yeah. There were a fuck yeah. ton of them in the 70s because everyone was a post-hippie. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, this just got so much in there. The Moving Right Along song gets me every time because it's like a yeah. Bob Hope being Crosby Road movie with Fozzie and Kermit. And then I had just the final record of the Muppet movie soundtrack as a kid. I yeah. played that thing into the dirt, man. I'm, yeah. I'm sure my mom's so sick of it, but I don't, I mean, <laughs> Oh, it's that, great. That there's a lot of like the, the word is free song, right? Like when you get the goosebumps, you know, or the tingles, yeah. like the AS, like the, you, that album will trigger that for me. Yeah. To this well, day. and it's yeah, and good stuff on it. Very solid use of the banjo in many of these songs. Like when the when it opens and you get that opening strung to Rainbow Connection, it's just like immediate. It's like I am eight years old and I'm watching this in the theater now. I mean, it's that that kind mm-hmm. of transportation. Hmm. Uh, but my favorite song in the whole thing is when you get Rolf the dog and Kermit singing, I hope that something better comes along. You can't live with them. You can't live without them. There's something irresistible-ish about them. We grin and bear it cause the nights are long. I hope that something better comes along. 
I see what you mean. Because it's not a kid song at all. No, it's like literally it's like bitching about women. Yeah, like Kermit was on a date with Piggy and he doesn't know that she's been kidnapped. He thinks she's just run out on him. And so it's like, you know, the dude at the bar just drinking his sorrows away with the piano player. And it's just like this weirdly funny, melancholy thing tightrope they're walking. And it's just so funny. Was Were your childhoods not filled with melancholy? Oh, oh, they totally, totally were filled with melancholy. Yeah. yeah that's why okay. I, so I like makes the sense then. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't it? So it's but it's you kind like, of you kind of latch onto it more as an adult when you watch it. That's what's funny. Uh, no, I latched onto it as a kid. That's why I kept playing that album over and over. You know? <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking that uh, peanuts. I I actually still think peanuts taught me depression. You know, <laughs> like watching yeah, that's, I Charlie that. I Brown that. fuck yeah. up all the time and never win. I was like, yeah, that's life. You blockhead. <laughs> <laughs> but one of my favorite stealth jokes in movies or TV, it's, and it didn't register until years and years and years later, but there's the whole end of Muppet Movie. We're in the ghost town and they're getting ready to show off or uh, do the showdown with uh, Doc Hopper. And it's like this tech, like ghost town, cowboy town, whatever. And they run mm. into Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker. And then that's how Animal gets the grow pills that make him turn into a giant and then they win the day. But I've, this was only like maybe eight or ten years ago I was watching this again. And that's when it struck me that Dr. Bunsen Honeydew wears glasses, but he doesn't have any doesn't have eyes. eyes. Yes. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh. I'm like, what Welcome the fuck to the is party, pal. On? Yeah, but it never really <laughs> registered. And, it, and it's, yeah, it's so bothersome. Yet it's hilarious at the same time. So, you know. Uh, All right. Yeah, that always but, creeped yeah. me out. But it's, yeah, the Muppet movie is just one that gets you right in the feels. Great Muppet Caper is good, too. It's a little less so, but by the time you get to Muppets Take Manhattan, all the rest of them are just not good. So, but They don't get the, good again until Jason Schwartzman takes over. Well, no, I think I think um, the Treasure Island with Tim Curry is has something to recommend, and I'm, I'm a big fan for, of the Muppet uh, Christmas Carol. Okay. Um, okay. So there's some. There's some. Yeah. But uh, all yes. right. But so that yeah, one... that J- that that Jason Siegel, I think, is what you meant. The, the Siegel. The Muppets. Thank you. Yeah. That, yes. that was a good one. Yeah. That one was brilliant. Traveling so, yeah. by map right. is something that uh, my wife and I still refer to. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that but, wasn't yeah. your actual pick, was it, Chris? Your actual that was, pick was Pee Wee. Well, the Muppet movie edges it out just because I've seen it okay. more. But Pee Wee's Big Good. Adventure is uh, always up there, and I'll and I'll just say this about it: it's because when I realized years later that it's just Pee Wee doing a very farcical version of the Italian neorealist classic Bicycle Thieves. Uh, when you get that realization, and you're a, a film nerd, it makes you just laugh and laugh and laugh. I just could not get away from it once I made that connection. <laughs> so now it's just watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a totally different experience once you're like, oh, they're just totally lampooning neorealism from 1948. And that's genius. Like <laughs> him and Phil Hartman deserve just some, some kind of award for coming up with that concept. So yeah. Where's my bicycle? Okay. So there you go, folks. Are you feeling down? Are you feeling depressed? Ask your doctor if the Magnificently Huge podcast is for you. Magnificently also, Huge you're podcast. probably alive. If you're depressed, 
you should yes. be because everything sucks. Yeah. There. Everything. <laughs> what do you think of that? Does suck. Yeah. I'm watching the A team for fuck's sake. Side yeah. effects may include nostalgia, feeling old, writing to us on Twitter at MagHuge, going to our website MagHuge.com. <laughs> Uh, finding us on Instagram, finding us on Facebook, subscribing to the podcast, sharing the podcast with your friends on social media. Ask your doctor if uh, Magnificently Huge is right for you. And if you get an erection that lasts longer than four hours, <laughs> yeah. 